Eminem, you want to help too? Now, watch that smile on Eminem's face because uh, this week is a very big week for her. We're really happy for what God is doing, blessing Michael and his bride-to-be. I remember when I announced that. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's sitting there going, I thought of praise. I first I thought she was praising the Lord. Then I recognized that I had done something not so good. But we do give thanks for this nuptial that is going to be happening this uh, this coming Friday. And uh, you know, it, it may be a little bright back there in the corner from the smile on Grandma Bev as she holds little Caleb there. And April, it really is good to have you here. We speak blessing over you and Andrew and the kids. Um, what, a, what a great blessing God's put on you and your family. We, we're grateful for you. All right, uh, we're going to look at the Word today. And uh, it's, it's really a fascinating thing to have experienced what God has been saying already throughout the morning as he has focused a lot on wisdom. You know, Monica taught, she rose up off the bed of infirmity and marshaled to come and spoke on wisdom, and then Brother Les was just speaking about wisdom and neither knew that I was going to be launching about wisdom and grace this morning. So I'm very thankful for what the Spirit of the Lord uh, has been laying before us and today we want to talk about grace and wisdom, and particularly something that God is um, granting to us as his saints as we approach this new year. And I, I hearken back to what I spoke about last Sunday in regard to the visitation that I was privileged to have on behalf of our mutual calling um, a week ago in the early morning hours with the Heavenly Father and how he spent the night speaking about grace and the importance of, of grace and how, how he was opening himself to partner with his sons in grace. And, and as I said last week, it, it just went on and, and throughout the entire the entirety of the night, and I, I really was impacted by that for the for the days that followed, and um, I'm still processing things that I can remember from that encounter, and some of them are are being are coming up through my spirit, things that I perhaps didn't recall. And that, that happens a lot when you have spiritual encounters. You, you remember a lot of things, but then there are things over the days that God will, uh, will develop, and he'll bring to your remembrance that, that uh, were, were maybe not uh, readily available to your re recall when you first had the vision. When you have things with God, when you have times with God, uh, it... it, it, it delves into every facet of who you are, 
And sometimes the processing of those things is, is difficult because your mind is scrambling to process. And um, that's why we ask people to write down what they remember after they've had a dream or a vision or some kind of a word from the Lord, but then be ready to, to see a development of that and, and to write down subsequent things, not just that you thought, but things that God reveals about those times because the development process, the meditating upon the Lord is such an important uh, quotient in, in what you do. And uh, God speaks it's like the, it's kind of like when you eat something and uh, then, then your body not only digests, but it processes the nutrients and the strength. And um, sometimes when we have an encounter with God, we're taking that in, but then the processing of it and the, and the proper application of it and the divestment of what God has given is something that you you really need to to give yourself to and so um one of the things that i was asking god all week was lord we're here at the end of this year of grace and we're welcoming this year of wisdom because we see how clearly those two are are inter interlinked in the heart of god and um uh, that the answer that came, part of the answer, was what we're going to talk about this morning. But I, but I do want to, I do want to mention again that the fact that the enemy absolutely hates the process of grace and wisdom, and you know the scripture speaks about uh, how that the enemy would like to go from judgment to the to wormwood. And he, he always tries to eliminate that partnership with God and then the subsequent, the subsequent relating of God's words to us in wisdom and understanding. If, if he could, he would eliminate that because that's the, that's the partnership. That's how the partnership with God is uh, conceptualized and that's how it, it begins to grow and develop. And all the other dimensions of the seven spirits kick in because of our willingness to give everything we are to his grace and then to open ourselves to his direction as opposed to what we would be thinking. And the enemy hates that. And it's, it's so important that you, you recognize that um, in the early church, remember, God got one of the common greetings that was over and over again was grace, mercy, and peace. And, and grace is that partnership with God. Mercy is where we commune with God. We hear from him. The mercy seat was a, was a point of communication and deliberation. And that's where God would say, you need to go. You need to take the ark here. Or you need to command the people this way. You need to speak. That's what mercy is in the Old Testament. It's not just doing somebody a favor. Um, and so grace, mercy, and peace, mercy filling that sila, that sila uh, slot uh, is, is, is really what, what wisdom is. And that's why in the New Testament when you, see that, when you see those words that speak about prayer, supplication and prayer, which is uh, the diesis and prosuke, 
you find that partnership supplication, which is what grace is, and then you find God saying things to us, giving us prophetic insight, giving us prophetic directive that we go forth. Throughout the Bible, you see that inner, inner marriage of grace and wisdom. And um, we, we need to really embrace this moment because for where we're going in the new year, uh, for, the, for the many nations that we have responsibility for. Um, and and it's, it's, it's growing. The, the responsibilities are just expanding. And those that God's going to bring online where we'll be going into new places in this new year. Um, we, we really have to be founded on grace and be open to wisdom. Because wisdom is the thing that establishes, and then understanding is the thing that builds upon that establishment. You know, the Bible speaks about, by wisdom, God created the earth, and then the heavens were made by understanding. You see, that totally blows a hole in the Big Bang Theory, and, and uh, not the television show, but, you know, the, uh, isn't, it, isn't that the name of the show Ken likes? Yeah, amen. Uh, so, uh, but, but God created, God created this place and everything else was, was going to be, is, is going to be established by the understanding. But anyway, so you come to what we're going to look at today and this is proverbial grace and it's, it's the times throughout the book of Proverbs, which is Solomon's main writing where he where he attributed uh, various capacities of grace. And um, we, we heard in Sunday school today, through Monica's teaching, uh, references to when Solomon went up to Gibeon, and at the beginning of his rule, he had a dream, and God said, what can I give you? And, God, and Solomon said, I, I need wisdom. And uh, I, I must have wisdom. And God was so pleased by that answer that he, uh, he said, I'm going to not only give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you wealth, and I'm going to give you capacity, and I'm going to give you fame, and I'm going to cause you to expand. And that was just a wonderful thing. But the, the, the essence, though, of what that setting was is important for us to, to describe. And again, I'm, I'm building off of things that were said in Sunday school. If you didn't hear that lesson, you can hear it on the Wisdom Keepers, either on Spotify or wherever else that Scott plants it. Um, Gibeon had the tabernacle of Moses. Why was that? You know, because David had already established his tabernacle in Jerusalem. David was Solomon's father. You remember he danced the ark in and the linen ephod and it was falling off and he promised to be more vile than that. And, you know, we've, we've got that down. But um, the tabernacle of Moses was in Gibeon and it's, 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 it's a missing link to understanding why Solomon went there and why this is where God spoke so profoundly to him. Because remember, the Gibeonites were the ones that snookered Joshua. 
Remember, they dressed in old clothes and had molded cheese, and that just didn't mean they were French. And they, they came and said, we've come a long way, and we want to be with you. And, uh, but they really were not from far away. They were just trying to make an agreement so they didn't get wiped out with the rest of the otherites. And Solomon made an agreement. And so they could live then. And they were made to be hewers of wood and of stone and carriers of water. And they were basically going to be part of the people of God, but they were going to be uh, basically uh, servants in some ways. Not slaves, but they were, they were going to do things that were needed to be done. And uh, it's kind of like any, other, any immigrant that comes into a, a nation. They do a lot of work that other people don't want to do. You know, when I was growing up in Pittsburgh, a lot of Eastern European immigrants and, and Italians were there. And they did a lot of work that most people didn't want to do. Here, you find, you know, I won't say what nationality, but uh, it's just the way it is with immigrants. And so the, I, I don't want to be too light with this, but the Gibeonites were kind of that immigrant kind of a viewpoint. And they ended up in the land that was given to Benjamin. Now, we know that there were some problems with Benjamin after the time of the judges. You know, all that business of cutting up the woman and sending their, her body parts around and the, the people, all the tribes going to war with Benjamin and Benjamin being basically wiped out and they come up to Shiloh of all places and steal dancing girls. What ho, bring on the dancing girls. And, and that's how Benjamin, the smallest of the tribes, was was given back a heritage. Well, Gibeon was part of the land of Benjamin. And Saul, who was also of uh, the Benjamites, he didn't like the Gibeons, Gibeonites. He didn't like them at all. In fact, he, he did some pretty dastardly things to them. And remember when David came to power, there was a blight that came upon the people of God, and, and David went before the Lord, and God said, it's because of what Saul did to the Gibeonites. And David said, okay, I've got to make this right. And he gave seven sons of Saul to be hung by the Gibeonites. And that somehow brought peace back to the land, which is kind of a strange thing. It's, it's good reading. It's in the Bible. Um, but it's really an odd thing. So the Gibeonites were, were kind of a weird mix there. In fact, in Gibeon, Abner and Joab came to heads at a, at a pool of uh, an oasis of water, but that really doesn't fit into our story here. So, but, but Gibeon represented the fact that Israel, it, 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 it represented a larger picture, that Israel really didn't do what God said to do in the land not just with the Gibeonites, but with, with just their heritage. And they never really, somehow, think about this, this explains why the tabernacle of Moses was up there with Gibeon, because the people of the land didn't want to mess with the tabernacle of Moses anymore. They didn't want to go anywhere else. They wanted to just stay there. They just wanted to stay there and live on their laurels. And so who they give, who they give it to? The Gibeonites. You take care of it. You know, you, you're doing everything else. You, you take care of it. And so Solomon recognized by the directive of God that he already had a tabernacle of David, but he needed to recapture. Somehow God's spirit brought to him the core identity of what the people of God were supposed to be. They were supposed to have taken 
and they were supposed to establish the kingdom in the lands that God would lead them to, and then they were supposed to establish dwelling places for God. And they were supposed to do this and, and see his kingdom expanded. So God brought that to the heart of Solomon. So he goes up to Gibeon, and there he offers the thousand sacrifices, and there he waits before God. And there, God recognized that the reason this second, this third king was there was because they needed to embrace the totality of what God wanted. That it wasn't just this little sliver of land for the 12 tribes. It wasn't just, you know, the hopping, the hopping place of the tabernacle of David. It was to be that one that would establish the dwelling place of the Lord and then go out from that place into the nations. That's what Gibeon represented. And so Solomon goes there. And from that point of grace, that point of partnership, he was an anointed king. That point of, of responsibility and partnering with God, this king ask was asked of God what do you want and he said I want wisdom and that's why it was such an important thing that's why God delighted in that request because here was a king that was finally going to say all right we're going to go into the nations we're going to go out and make these nations the kingdom of our God and and that was the beginning point and God God was delighted with that. So you had David, Solomon's father, resurrecting the point of what worship should be and, and creating new dimensions of it. But um, he, he, David was created to be the explosive one, the, the, uh, the parats of breakthrough. David was the one that was originally called to serve under under Saul he was he was to be that one that would would go so that the kingdom could be established and that needed to be preserved but what really needed to happen next was Solomon needed to re-embrace that kingdom mentality in going out and I'm not explaining this very well but the, the, the framework of grace, that partnership with God for what God wanted to do in the nations, that was at the heart of God. God loved the praises in Jerusalem. God loved the things that were going on. But Jerusalem ate all that. You listen to what Jesus said. Go out from here, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. It has always been God's desire for the nations to radiate his glory. It has always been God's desire. So when, when Solomon went to that place in Gibeon and Solomon was there, he was honoring those people that, God, that obviously God loved. I mean, and, uh, and, and, and there was the tabernacle of Moses and... and and to, to say from that point, I want to embrace wisdom. And, of course, now, we, we, we jump ahead, and then we're going to get back here to what God put on my heart to share. Um, somehow, Solomon forgot 
the partnership. He was still functioning in the anointing of wisdom. He was still reaching out to the nations, but it became, instead of him conquering on behalf of the grace of God, on behalf of that partnership with God, the nations overcame him. And he was beset by many things that, that really did him in. And that's, that's such a regrettable thing. But the point is here at the time of beginning, God was establishing grace in partnership with him and was releasing wisdom for, for the nations to spread that, uh, that kingdom of God out. So what we have on this list is every time Solomon speaks of grace. And, and when he speaks of grace, it's, it's with some mention of authority. It's with some mention of spiritual um, ornaments and, and crowns and necklaces. And, and I dare say that when you move in grace with God and you are faithful, God will, in that partnership, release to you not only continued assignments, but enhanced authority and things that are spiritually discerned, um, like, like mantles are discerned in the spirit realm, swords are discerned, stones are discerned, things that God mentioned. It's not just poetic license or some kind of a, a depictive thing that's just more ethereal and really not there. These are real things. So every time Sol Solomon mentions grace, it's from a kingly authority of grace, and, and the Lord really put it on my heart to go through these with you today. But you'll see that they are always linked with wisdom. And you, you, you see it's, it's there. So I, before we read this first verse, which is the beginning of the book of Proverbs, we say that God gave wisdom to a king that had gone to Gibeon to restate that partnership with God for the nations. And, you know, David wanted to do this, but, but God has his ways. David could get the vision, and he could get insights as to how the temple was to be built, and he would hear things, and he would prophesy things, and David would always pray this, this prayer, uh, let, let, uh, let this tabernacle make a way for your temple. Well, Solomon took that same template, that exact same template, but he switched it. And he said, let this temple make way for your tabernacles. That is a magnificent thing to see. So for Solomon to go here to that original tabernacle of Moses, he was reclaiming that partnership that God had intended for the people. And, and so we have to understand that to really know the power of why God was so thrilled with number one, Solomon obeying and going there, because as Monica said, it would have been easy for him just to stay there where the ark was and where, you know, where David's tabernacle was, where, you know, at his home base, home field advantage. But to go up to Gibeon was really erasing something that's, that was a blight on Saul. It was erasing what Benjamin had become. It was erasing so many things, and it was, it was erasing and embracing. It was embracing that posture of grace. And so this is wonderful. So Solomon asked for wisdom. God granted it. Now let's read 
these five passages that all speak of the foundation of grace in conjunction with that wisdom. Because this is not just for an intellectual thing. These things God is giving to you. Each of these things are very real capacities and components in the spirit realm, and God is releasing them to our, to our network because of what we're being called to do in the nations. We need this authority. This is an authority statement in the spirit realm. It represents things that will be seen by ruling principalities and powers and by every force of darkness that tries to hold sway in that land. It's just, I would like to say that it's just wisdom that's needed. But if, if you have the right plan, but you don't have the pop and the power to, to demonstrate it, the right plan's not gonna, not gonna work. I mean, you can figure out a plan to stop LeBron James, but if you're not seven foot tall, can move like a gazelle and jump out of this thing, you're not going to be able to stop him. So these are really powerful spiritual components that have to be in place to, to go forth in the power of wisdom that God is releasing in this year. Amen? The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the, to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and understanding. My son, hear the instruction of your father. Forsake not the law of your mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Now let's look at this next one before we comment. Proverbs 4, verses 7 and 10. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor. That's kebed, an application of the glory of God. When thou shalt embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to you. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings. The years of thy life shall be many. Here you have two things. An ornament of grace on your head, and then you have also a crown of glory, but we're not talking about that today. But And, and uh, something about your neck. What, what does that represent? Well, upon your head is an authority. It is a kingly authority of grace. And around your neck, the neck always represents the, your willingness to respond and obey. You know, Jesus spoke about those that are stiff-necked, and he spoke about they need to have their hearts circumcised so that they can respond and obey and not resist. And so I feel we're already seeing this as we go into the nations. Haven't we remarked over and over again about how, how God has given us favor and that so many pastors and so many leaders are willing to submit themselves to the clear directive of the Lord? 
There is not a bevy of resistance like we face so many times over the years. Um, and, you know, this has been God's timing. It's not that we've been doing, did anything wrong then. We obeyed. But there is a measure of a crown, uh, uh, an ornament of grace upon the head, and there is it around the neck. And, and we're seeing that happen where God is giving authority in grace as we move in wisdom, and God is giving that capacity of favor to where people will hear the word, they'll receive the word, and they're willing to yield themselves. And they're willing to yield to working together. They're willing to yield to, say, like the Bible describes, we hear God is with you. Let us take hold of the, of the hem of your garment and we will follow. That's what's happening around the world. It's not just happening in Brazil. It's happening in many nations. And I could list them off, but it, it really is, it's happening in, in many, many nations. And um, I, I'm very grateful for that. So Solomon speaks about the ornament of grace. And we need that, and we receive that, because it's what really makes wisdom, um, it makes wisdom uh, so much easier to apply and function in. And so, you know, that, and, and you think about that, in principle, um, you hear that crying, that's little Caleb, he was back there and he bumped his head on the pew. So, any of you grandmas or mamas watching, you just want, he's okay. Bev and April are on it. <laughs> he's a, that, that boy's a military man. He's, he forgot his helmet this morning. So, uh, but, you know, you think about when we talk about grace and supplication, we talk about diasis and, and prosuke. The, when God gives you insight, it's because you're functioning as a partner in grace. And those insights then have their efficacy and their power because you are rooted and grounded in your partnership with God. Um, there are a lot of people, it, it's back to that same thing, knowing the word of God as opposed to knowing the God of the word. You can know a lot about the word of God, but if you're not walking with the God of the word, you know, I'm not saying God can't do anything, but there's really not, it's not really the exchange God wants. So grace is always the footer upon which wisdom is, is shined forth. And so um, I, I'm, I know that when we're praying in partnership prayer with God and God says something, we can lay claim to that word and that insight, and we begin to declare it, and we begin to march, but it, that gains its power because we're walking as partners. Amen? And so uh, that's why a lot of times we give prophetic words to people, and they receive them, they write them down their book, they file them in their notebook, and then they walk away, and some of them say, sadly, well, you know, I didn't know it was going to be this much work. You know, I'm just in it to feel the presence of the Lord, you know. I don't really like this partnership business because that's going to cost me a lot of things. Give me another word. And that doesn't work that way, you know. It, those words will be unfulfilled usually until the person walks in partnership. And so Solomon begins in this first chapter by talking about, you know, you, uh, you need to, 
<laughs> and I don't want to go to, we could talk about a lot of these things, but why did David, why did Solomon say here in chapter one, the instruction of your father and the law of your mother? Well, if you, if you look at what happened with Bathsheba and you look at how they, she needed to come with Samuel to get David to anoint Solomon king, it sounds like David had a lot of irons in the fire. And he had a lot of things. He was instructing the people. Solomon was aware of that. But the one who was really raising that boy up was his mother. I'm not saying that's always the pattern. It usually is a pattern. But um, for, for Solomon, you know, she was the one that got Samuel's ear. She was the one that brought them to David. She was the one that says, you need to anoint this boy king. There's trouble. Another one of your sons is trying to take possession. So I, I suggest that Solomon was saying the things my dad patterned and the things my dad established and the way my mother taught me, I'm not forgetting those because that's the basis of what, of what I should be. So that's the link with grace there. And so I release to all of you who are walking in the ways of God and are looking forward to this year of wisdom this component of this ornament of grace and the chains that would indicate grace around your neck so that you can have favor and that you have authority in, in uh, moving with, with what God wants. And, and we just talked about grace to the neck. We saw the chain, but let's read it in Proverbs 3, verses 19 through 23. The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto your soul and your mind, and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. Wow, do we need this? We need wisdom and discretion, which tells us how to do it. Uh, why, uh, in a in a counsel type of a way, we need our soul to be filled with the life of God, so that our emotions don't draw us off into different things. And we need this grace upon our neck, so that we'll be always ready to embrace what God is saying to us as partner, and we will turn, and we will turn when he says to, and we won't buck up and resist. We won't be hard-hearted. We will, we will honor God, and with this again, we'll have an anointing to help people that are willing to also be sensitive to his grace and to embrace that pathway. This is a very important thing. Now, grace is always going to cause you to become uh, a, a merchant of humility. And um, Proverbs 3, further in that chapter, verses 34 and 35, Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he gives grace unto the lowly. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. We have to be really always saying, I'm going to submit myself to God. Lowly here is a term that is used throughout the Old Testament. Sometimes it's used in a bad way. Sometimes, you know, it's what uh, the Egyptians did to the 
Hebrew slaves. It's what uh, some some people in the, in the Old Testament did to those that were under them in authority, uh, uh, subjecting, uh, um, uh, a um, uh, embarrassing them. But on the other hand, that same word is used to describe when people submit themselves to God in this way, where they say, no matter what you want, I'll do it, regardless of what it makes me look like, regardless of what, what I might feel in my emotions. I'm willing to submit myself, to be as contrite, to be as vile as more vile than this. I'm willing to be lowly in that way so that your grace can come. And so God gives grace to those who have that, who've embraced that quality, that, that intrinsic quality of saying, I'll do what you say to do, regardless of what it might appear in the, out, in the outer vision. And so you have, you have the ornament upon the head, you have uh, this, this grace on the neck, uh, but here it addresses something that's deep in, in your soul, in your spirit, that you're always willing to, when God says in that partnership, in grace, will you commit, will you give yourself? And you say, as we've said so many times about grace, yes, I'll, I'll receive that seed and I'll die to everything else so that it will grow. I'll embrace that so the new day will come. This is that heart of grace. And God gives that grace to the lowly. And the wise then, when God speaks to you in, from the framework of that grace, will inherit glory. That's amazing. You'll inherit the ability, the, 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 the privilege of partnering with God regarding what he wants to do. But you'll also inherit the privilege of seeing that through and rejoicing as the victory is there. But the heart of it all is that he gives grace to the lowly. He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace. To, this is really the fuel of meekness. And the meek will inherit the earth. So that, that's a good thing too. And the last one that Solomon mentions about grace is Proverbs 22, verses 10 through 12. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. He that loves pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, and he overthrows the words of the transgressor. Now, there's a lot of meat in this, this three-verse um, uh, passage. But the grace of your lips will cause you to come before kings and be regarded as a friend. That's important. Um, you know, God's promise that he's bringing you before kings and before people in authority to be able to declare what God's doing, to be able to declare what God's saying. And yes, God will make those appointments. You can't force them. You, you shouldn't try to force them because you'll probably do it before his time, and that'd be disastrous. But the thing that's going to win over those that God brings you to is not your good looks, not your ability to study and be able to be very eloquent and loquacious. It's not going to be because you uh, 
you have some kind of, of uh, suave, you know, maneuvers. <laughs> it's going to be the grace of your lips. It's going to be grace upon your lips. It's going to be the fact that you are communicating from the basis of that partnership with God. That's what they're looking for. That's what they're looking for. People in the days that are coming are, are being made hungry for the things of God. They're being made hungry. And um, when you come, they're not just looking for what everybody else is saying. They want a word from his grace. They want a word that speaks to what's going on in their heart, which is why you think about the principle of when Joseph went before Pharaoh or when Daniel went before Nebuchadnezzar. Um, the, the king was looking for somebody that would speak to what God was saying in their heart or in their bedchamber through dreams or in, in the framework that none of the other soothsayers or Chaldeans or wise magicians of the land could say. They wanted somebody, you know, in fact, remember Daniel, it was said that the spirit of the God was in him. The spirit of the gods was in him. The spirit of Elohim was in him. And what, when you're partnering with God in grace, your words are going to be those of grace, and it's out of the abundance of that, your mouth is going to speak, and those words of grace are going to come, and it's going to unlock the hearts of those God sends you to. So that's why Jesus said, when he said, when you're brought before those in authority, don't worry about what you're going to speak, because in that day, the Holy Ghost will give you the words to speak. And that's not just knowing how to prophesy, even though that would help. That's being a person whose lips drips with grace. <laughs> What's that on your lips, boy? Why, that's grace. <laughs> I didn't even know you knew grace. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rachel, why do you let me say things like that? I'm just playing now. But really, um, it's important for us to know that we are, we are representing grace as a partnership with our Father. And we then will receive wisdom from him because of that partnership of grace. And wisdom will guide us into the places of darkness that God has ordained. And when we go into those places, we need not only his direction, that's imperative, but we need to know that the ornament of grace, that authority is upon us, and that favor of God is about our neck. And we need to cherish and maintain that sensitivity of lowliness, submission to God, which is the way grace comes. And we need to make sure that we are speaking what God says in grace, that we're speaking that, because that's really the pathway to kingship in grace. And that's what Solomon spoke about. So wisdom is great. And we, we should honor the fact that Solomon looked for that. And we are looking, as we enter into this year of wisdom, for 
outpourings of God's direction. It's part of his seven spirits. God is going to be leading us. He's going to be giving insight. He's going to be giving continued revelation of what his word says and places there in the, in the hidden gates where God is sending us as his ecclesia to demonstrate the kingdom. That's how the ecclesia is going to be built. We need that. But at the base of it all is that foundation of grace. It's that foundation of grace upon which Solomon received this wisdom. Now, somehow, and I'm not faulting him, he, he lost sight of that grace, and he was hungry for other things. And he ate at the table of the enemy instead of the table of the Lord. And you say, well, you're being pretty harsh on him. I don't think I am. That beautiful temple that he built was filled with idols before he died. And, you know, I'm not faulting him. I mean, this guy was really demonstrating against the demons, these principalities, these power bases. And I'm not glorifying them, but, you know, when you're, when you're a forerunner, when you're a first fruits of doing things, it's, it's rough. And he, he failed. He fell. And I suspect that it was because he, he lost this grace that he's talking about here. And so as we go into this new year, and God is powerfully pouring out wisdom and leading us into further expansion of his kingdom in, in the nations, and, and it going into new nations, we need to recognize as great as that is, that this bedrock of grace is the imperative that we must hold on to to give wisdom meaning and to give wisdom that, that release through the authority, through the submission, through the, the favor, and through that measure of speaking that are all found in grace. So I release that to all of you. And, uh, you know, I, I have to admit, I saw, I saw this last night, yeah, or late yesterday afternoon. And I thought, Lord, this is great. And I, I was just receiving it because I'd never thought to go look grace through Solomon. You know, he's the big wisdom man, you know. And he is. He is. God has orchestrated this day in such a wonderful, what such a wonderful way. And I, I was receiving that grace, and I was saying, thank you, Lord. And I, I was praying, releasing it to our, all of the saints. And, and I, I really thought, oh, this isn't going to preach very well. Not that that's ever stopped me before. This isn't going to preach very well. And I thought, Lord, you're going to give me another message. I know you are, because this is just for me to know and for them to find out. But he, he said, you need to declare this today. And I'm so glad he did. Um, and and I, don't know, uh, I don't know what all it's going to do for you, but I know these things are upon you. In the spirit realm, these things are upon you. And so, you know, you're moving in grace. You, you've got these things on your heads. You've got these things on your neck. You've got... Words coming out of your mouth. You've got that place deep within you. Rejoice in that. Those are no small things. Those have tremendous, those have tremendous effect in the spirit realm. 
but they indicate that partnership with God, which is why, why God brought Solomon to Gibeon and why, why this, uh, this, this, this was really the receptacle upon which grace was poured out. And we release that to us. God, Father, please keep us in grace. Don't let, don't let us ever stray from this point of partnership with you where you've made yourself vulnerable to us. We cherish that placement. And, and I ask that you would pour grace upon grace within and upon all of our Saints Network family. And uh, let us continue to grow in grace as your word tells us to. And the last, the last verse in the Bible, let the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That's our marching order. That was the last word of, the, of God through us in his written scriptures. So let us move in grace and let us welcome wisdom. Let us welcome it. And between uh, now and next year at this time, may great things be done for your kingdom and let us serve you in that. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. This is a good, this is a good day. And we continue to reiterate what was said in Sunday school, what was said during the, the, during the worship time, what Les said. We proclaim health to all of you, to all, including me. Health to everybody. Health to everyone. And through the name of Jesus, be well and stay well. And we, uh, we look forward to tonight. Um, we give thanks throughout this afternoon for what God's doing in, in Brazil. We're going to focus on that tonight. And so God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. And those of you who didn't get a chance to go back and say hi to April and Caleb and see Smiling Grace.